everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. The podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined again by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Hey, it's me. He is back once again. All right, Rob, we got a great show. Uh, we're going to talk about Bill and Ted making money. Yay! Avatar Happy news. Yes. <laughs> Avatar 2 is done filming, if anyone cares. <laughs> and we'll discuss how big of a role our expectations play in our view of a movie. And, of course, our watch list. So, Rob, do you want to get started here? Let's do it. Okay. All right, so let's, uh, let's talk about Bill and Ted. Let's talk about Bill and Ted. So the story here is that uh, Bill and Ted took a little bit of a unique approach in that they released the movie both for paid video on demand and in theaters. And report came out today that the film is actually making profit for the studio, uh, driven by both their money they've made in theaters and a successful campaign on uh, video on demand. So uh, this is fascinating because this could be a little bit of studios attempting to unlock the puzzle of what it looks like to actually make money with movies during this time. Um, so there's a lot of complications with this story because it's uh, it gets into a lot of technical details about the negotiations between studios and theaters, the negotiations between video on demand companies, um, how it is difficult to actually figure out how many people are watching and buying, but this has to be good news. What do you think? Yeah, I think that there are a lot of people um, like myself. I'm one of the people who actually got it on demand um, that either aren't comfortable going to the theater or uh, for whatever reason their schedule doesn't work out to be able to go see it. That was the case for me. It's actually a movie I wanted to see for several weeks before I finally just broke down and I ended up straight out buying it on demand because it was only $5 more than renting it. <laughs> and uh, happy with the purchase. Thought it was a really good movie. Um, it is interesting that this would be like the success story. When we compare it to how Mulan was received and Mulan is like this big, huge entity uh, backed by Disney. And yet it seems like um, maybe numbers wise, Bill and Ted hasn't done as much business as Mulan, but it seems like reception wise, uh, it, there's a huge difference in how it's being looked at coming through in this way. Yeah, I think uh, some of the fascinating things about it is it's, it would be too simplistic to say that theaters should just, studios should just release the movies both on demand and in theater, uh, partially because there are certain movie contracts with theaters where th certain theaters will actually not carry movies that have been released on demand. So this was one of the reasons why not every every theater picked up Bill and Ted because there are some complex negotiations, but apparently it's been a good deal. Like the studios negotiated a good deal with theaters and the on-demand studios have been happy with it. 
And right now, movies that chalk up a profit, hey, there's that's that's fantastic and love that going forward. So it will be interesting to see, kind of like with the movie or the music industry, how once the whole idea of streaming and MP3s and digital files came out, it took the the, the music industry a while to be able to figure out how to make money off of it. And I think what you're seeing with some of these both uh, different approaches for Mulan, Tenet, and Bill and Ted, that studios are trying to experiment with how can we best make money in this environment. So hopefully this is a piece to um, studios being able to unlock this because the better they can figure out how to make money, the better and more movies will get released. So I think that can be nothing but a good thing. Yep, it's uh, this seems to be the big issue with the studios right now is how do we make some kind of profit off of things? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a crazy cycle because theaters need movies to open, but theaters need to be open in order for studios to want to put movies in them. And so it's kind of this weird dual step where they have to kind of move step by step. And so we'll see. So, all right, let's, uh, Let's move on from Bill and Ted and let's talk about the news that came out this week that James Cameron announced that Avatar 2 is 100% done with filming. Finally. <laughs> seems, it seems like it's been forever. Yeah, the movie's been delayed eight different times for a variety of reasons. They've been talking about this movie literally since the first one came out in 2009. It was one of the the original Avatar was one of the biggest releases uh, of all time. It held the record for highest grossing box office for nearly a decade until Endgame. And just now, we are getting news that the sequel is finished and is due to be released in 2022. Rob, what are your thoughts on Avatar 2 being done? Do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, so the first Avatar is... Uh, was wasn't is a groundbreaking achievement as far as uh, how it was filmed. The use of 3D uh, really um, exploited that technology in in a positive way that not many other movies did. Um, the and that's one of the reasons why it made so much money because there were a lot of people going to that kind of showing, which was extra money in itself. Um, so the question is, uh, what can the second one do that will provide similar hype or intrigue with people? And I don't know if I, I don't know if there is anything it can do. I definitely don't think it's going to be anywhere near as big as the first one. Um, James Cameron has done uh, a lot of solid movies in the past. There's a reason that he is uh, known as kind of the king of the blockbuster. Uh, so we'll be, uh, I'll be very interested to see the kind of marketing and push that this movie gets because at this point it feels like uh, it will almost have to reconnect with a brand new audience uh, since it's so far removed from the original one. Yeah, I think, I think the original Avatar I think is a classic example of how you have to evaluate a film differently when it first comes out and over time. 
Avatar obviously what initially came out was this massively huge blockbuster and it was all over everything. Everyone went to see it. It ushered in this brand new era of 3D, new 3D movies. And then it just disappeared and faded into the background. Like the movie has almost no legacy. The whole, the main legacy it had was creating this amazing 3D atmosphere and launching that environment. And then that was gone five years later. And you just do not see the 3D movie anymore really at all. And so there's really not much left of the legacy of Avatar. I mean, even the movie itself, you watch it these days and you, it's barely on in terms of other releases. And it, it just feels like its long-term legacy was gone. And I'm wondering if Cameron missed out on the opportunity to capitalize on any of his success from the original movie. And it's not like kids grew up watching Avatar for the most part. So, yeah, I think you're right that it's going to have to connect with a brand new audience. And I think it's got its work cut out for it. Definitely. So, and he also says he's almost done filming Avatar 3. So there's a lot of commitment to, to this project. So Yeah, they better hope Avatar 2 does well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, I mean, Cameron's got pedigree, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, he's, he's probably earned the benefit of the doubt at this point that he can create a movie that's going to be successful. All right. I think we're ready to move on from, uh, from news. All right. Before we get into uh, this week's discussion questions, I had a note from a fan of the show, a disgruntled fan. Oh, okay. Who is uh, upset at you for uh, excluding a franchise when it came to the action movie franchise segment. Okay, let's hear it. Previous show. And when they brought it up, uh, it made me think about it for a minute. And I'm not sure if I agree or don't agree. So I wanted to throw it out to you and hear what you think. So uh, their suggestion is that we include the Bourne franchise. Ooh in our list of potential action franchises mm -hmm. technically has five movies. Um, my, my initial reaction was that I'm not quite sure it fits because legacy, although a born movie is not a Matt Damon born movie. It's not a Jason born movie. Um, but and and the distinction I make between that and something like James Bond is James Bond is established and we expect there to be different characters in that role. Not so much expected when the first three Bourne movies were all centered on the character of Jason Bourne and then Legacy came. And although he's a main part of the story, he's not the star of the story. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, I'm not sure if that disqualifies it or not, since it's one of the five, if we were counting five, which is what you had listed yeah. as your minimum for mm -hmm. uh, consideration. So what do, you, what do you think about the Jason Bourne movies being included in that discussion? Yeah, that's interesting, because I was mostly just going off the cuff. Um, I, had, I had thought out a little bit, and I was mostly thinking of ones that had a longer, a bigger list of movies. But yeah, Bourne technically qualifies in terms of the criteria I laid out. My initial reaction is that I think you could include it, 
Uh, I think that uh, Born Legacy was clearly designed to give the franchise legs beyond Matt Damon. And I actually really liked that movie. Um, and then when they decided to go back to Matt Damon, I think it does leave in question whether or not they're going to be able to continue making that a franchise and continue going that beyond. Because there was supposed to be another Jeremy Renner uh, born movie, but they decided mm. to shift and go back to go back to Bat Damon. So I think where what would give me pause is it's not obvious that this is a franchise that will necessarily continue making movies going forward. Whereas all the other ones, we already know there's going to be another Fast and Furious. We know there's another Bond coming out. We know Mission Impossible is continuing. Um, so that would be the only thing that would give me pause, but it technically qualifies. And so if it does qualify, yeah, it's up there because all those movies are really fantastic. So I, I do think one of the interesting things with Bourne too is that uh, with Ludlum's work and even some authors have continued that work uh, mm -hmm. after he uh, stopped writing, um, there is a lot of material there is uh, on Jason Bourne. And I think a lot of people's only connection to it is the movies and they don't realize that there's like a lot of books yeah. <laughs> about him that could be made into movies if the studios thought it was feasible and was going to make them money. And I, I think I would say uh, the first three movies might be the best action trilogy. Mm. Um, I think you can make that argument out of any three that have been tied together intentionally. Yeah. yeah. Make a case for that. Maybe we'll have to uh, revisit that topic at some point. But yeah, I think there's uh yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I, credit to the, to the fans for calling us out on that. I yeah, love shout out to Valerie for that one. Good stuff. So thank you for, uh, for correcting the error of our ways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So now let's, let's act, actually, let's move to one thing I forgot on the, on the news items is we forgot what's in theaters this week. So um, there's a number of movies that are in theaters. Now, some of these may be playing in a theater near you. Some of them may not. Um, but I thought I'd hit up on a couple of ones that are coming out this week. Uh, one is called Time Rewind, and it is the story of a man who has to unravel the mystery of his own past to find his way back to 1989 to save his trapped teenage daughter from a bullying accident that is destined to claim her life. Mm. So that's, uh, that sounds, I always, I'm always up for time travel, so that sounds interesting. Um, one that I do know is playing near, near us personally is uh, Possessor Uncut. Now, The Possessor is, it's a story of an agent who works for a secretive organization that uses brain transplant technology to inhabit other people's bodies, ultimately driving them to commit assassinations for high-paying clients. So, interesting. And then uh, two more uh, we'll talk about, A Call to Spy. And uh, this is a story about in the beginning of World War II, as the British were becoming desperate, Churchill ordered a new spy agency, the SOE, to recruit and train women as spies. This one's uh, the main star, and one of the stars in this one is Stana Kadich, I believe is how you pronounce it, who uh, formerly was a star of 
in TV. And uh, then we see next movie, Save Yourself. And I actually saw a trailer for this one. It seems kind of interesting. A young Brooklyn couple heads to an upstate cabin to unplug from their phones and reconnect with each other. Blissfully unaware of their surroundings, they are left to their own devices as the, the planet falls under attack. Hmm. All right, Rob, which one intrigues you? I would say the Save Yourself, the last one, sounds the most interesting um, out of the ones that you listed. Uh, as we talked about before, there's a whole lot of not major movies coming out. <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's interesting to kind of look at new releases with a fresh eye, not necessarily just looking for who's the one or two people that are the main people in this, but um, what's the concept behind it, which you really should be doing all the time. But I think it's easy for any of us to fall into the category of, oh, they're in it. I'm going to go watch that. Yeah, yeah, I think we know it's like, hey, a new Bond movie is coming out. Of course, I'll go see it, even though we have no idea, you know. Hey, this this is a uh, this is a Brad Pitt movie. We're going okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah, you're you're right on that. I like I said, I saw the trailer for Save Yourself, and it looks it looks actually really funny because it's this couple who decides, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get away from media. We're gonna get away from. We're going to put our phones down. We're going to be off the grid completely. And, and there's always that fear whenever you do a, a disconnect that you're going to miss out on something important. And so this movie kind of plays around with that concept. So they're just blissfully ignorant and out in the woods. And all of a sudden, these like giant tribal things start showing up. And they're like, wait, what is this? Where what is this thing? Where is it going? And then they just start multiplying. These like giant looking triple furry um, animal creatures, things just start showing up all over the place. They finally decide, well, maybe we should tune back in. And then so they look and all of a sudden the whole world is under an alien invasion from these things. So <laughs> it seems, it's pretty cool. It's an interesting concept. Yeah, I think I'd rather watch that than the uh, movie that's coming out uh, in the not too distant future where uh, meteorites are landing all over the earth and the earth is being destroyed. I think I'd rather laugh about the end of the world than be terrified by it at this point. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> all right. So make sure you check out something this weekend and uh, give the give new movies a try. All right. Let's get into our discussion. So, Rob, one thing I was thinking about, and let me set this up a little bit. This is based on uh, a discussion I've had with my dad over a couple movies him and I watched recently. Shout uh, out, Mr. Dunlevy. Yes. So one of the things that came up was we had, we were watching um, First Man, which is the biopic about Neil Armstrong that we talked about uh, a week or two ago. And he he he's a history buff. He has all kinds of history knowledge and some of the events he lived through. So he's very attached to them and what really really bothered him was how they didn't focus on the rest of the story <laughs> they didn't like they skipped the entire the entire journey to the moon um they focused solely on neil armstrong and i was trying to explain to him it's like well this is a biopic about neil armstrong like it's, it's designed to focus exclusively on on his character and, and what he's doing and everything else is in the background and he compared it a little bit to dunkirk which we've also talked about. 
um, because Dunkirk similarly focused solely on the experience of the British troops who were actually engaged in that particular conflict, as opposed to the larger, broader narrative of where that battle sat within World War II. And so he, it annoyed him that they didn't talk about the, the, German, the German troops surprisingly not advancing and not taking them out. Um, the, the other context of everything that was happening, the, the, even, there was even some criticism when the movie came out about the lack of emphasis on what the French were doing and how the French were involved. And so this got me thinking, this got me thinking about this question is, how much of our opinion about specific movies is based on our expectations going in? So for my dad, he didn't enjoy some of these movies as much because he expected them to be about the broader story and they were a more tightly focused movie. So what do you think? How much of our opinions when we evaluate movies that we see are based on what we expect going in? Uh, I think a lot of it, and like your dad said, uh, those examples are tied to historical understanding of events before seeing something. But I also think our expectations can be um, affected by previous movies and a franchise that we're that we're going to see a new one of or um maybe previous opinions we held about certain actors um i think there's a whole lot of different ways that we can have expectations that turn out to be incorrect after we see a movie or even um just how we feel a movie might play out tone wise from a trailer we've seen or something you've read about it or just our understanding of the context of the story um kind of where your dad was coming from in those examples i think there's a whole lot that can impact our our uh, evaluation of a movie and make it different from what our expectation was going into it yeah i think i think our expectations tend to play a lot into our evaluations I know this, you mentioned uh, previous movies or historical events. I also throw in books in there too. If you've read a book that's being turned into a movie, you're, you're not coming in with a blank slate evaluating a movie. You're coming in with an expectation of here's what I want the story to be. And oftentimes you hear that, oh, it didn't live up to the book, which I mean, you've got way more time to, to allocate to a book than a movie. And I think our, our expectations of what we're expecting do make a difference. Like having seen so many movies and so many trailers, I've gotten a pretty good feel when I see a trailer, what a movie's going to be and what I can expect from it. I think people have a tendency to evaluate, oh, this movie stunk because it, you know, it was an, like a cheesy action film. But if I'm going in expecting a cheesy action film and expecting to just sit there, zone out, relax, and see a bunch of stuff blow up, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm pleased with it. So I personally, I think it's almost impossible to come in with a blank slate. And if you come into like a comedy and expecting to laugh tremendously because the trailer was really funny and then you realize all the jokes were actually told in the trailer. <laughs> nothing else is funny you're going to be disappointed 
So I think very often we do not come in with a blank slate to movies. And I think it really can affect how we're thinking about them as we evaluate whether it met our expectations determines whether it's a good film more often than the actual quality of the film we just saw. Yeah, I, I would say and agree with you that I think uh, coming at movies with a complete blank slate is probably a disservice to others if you're going to be reviewing them or evaluating them because you can't go into, uh, like you said, a, a body comedy expecting it to be Schindler's List. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're going to evaluate every movie against each other, that's not really a fair way to review movies. And I think that some people do review movies that way. And I think they tend to be the critics that everyone is annoyed by <laughs> because they, they don't accept that some movies are made a certain way for a certain reason. And they're not all to uh, appeal to or directed to the same audience. Yeah. And I think this is one of the things that multiple viewings of movies can help correct because once you've seen a movie, your expectation level resets a little bit. And so it recalibrates. So when you go back in and see a movie a second time or a third time, now you're watching it, having a little bit of an understanding of what's going on, what to expect and what's going on. I think sometimes then you can give a much fairer evaluation of whether it's a good movie and it kind of removes some of your biases. Okay. So that kind of brings us to, to the next discussion topic, which really ties into this. And this is movies we've changed our minds on. So as we talked about, sometimes we, have, for whatever reason, a movie does not strike us in the right light and we don't like it. But sometimes those movies come back around and we change our opinions on them. So I thought we'd go through a couple of movies that we really changed our minds on. So I'll go first and then we'll alternate back and forth. So the first one for me that really stands out was uh, the movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with uh, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. And I got to tell you, I absolutely hated this movie the first time I saw it. I hated it. I think it came out 2004. And it's just, it's a weird movie. It's a story about a guy who's trying to erase have a company come in and literally erase the memory of his ex-girlfriend. And there's some weird memory things. There's some weird time. The interaction between the two characters is contentious at best at times. And for whatever reason, the movie did not strike me very well the first time I saw it. However, I don't even remember why I watched it again because I had such a visceral negative reaction the first time I saw it. But the second time I watched it, I really caught a glimpse of what the director was doing and the subtleties of the character interactions. And since there is a little bit of playing around with the timeline in the movie, I understood that better and what they were going for. And as it made sense, I really came around to thinking, hey, this was actually a really well done film. It's funny that you say that because that's like one of my favorite movies of all time. And I loved it from the very first time I saw it. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Isn't it? So what's uh, one for you? So I, I kind of approach the question a little bit differently. Um, sure. I think that there are movies that I've seen where I went in to seeing them the first time 
expecting something else and ex- kind of expecting that I wouldn't want to see them again after seeing them the first time. <laughs> mm. um, and I, I feel like uh, the first one that comes to mind for me that way is very recent. Um, it would probably be in contention for an Oscar this year because who else is? Uh, yeah. But the movie Birds of Prey, mm. uh, before I saw it, I had extreme doubts about. <laughs> and a lot of that, as I said earlier, sometimes are are being in the environment of a certain franchise's movies can impact what we expect a movie to be. And I think for me, the Jared Leto uh, portrayal of Joker, where we were introduced to Harley Quinn and um, just the DC movies in general, which seem to, for whatever reason, in some ways take a darker go for a darker tone than is necessary Hmm. when it comes to superhero movies. Uh, I think they've been working on making more humor be a part of things. And I think Birds of Prey was the first one out of that franchise maybe that succeeded in that endeavor. And so going in, I thought, eh, I want to kind of see it, but it's probably not going to be very good. And I've watched it a few times now since because it was, in my opinion, it was good and funny uh, and different from some of the other ones that they had come out with. So, um, yeah, I think that sometimes we can uh, do movies a disservice by not being willing to look at them with fresh eyes because of the environment that they're a part of. Obviously, franchises are going to suffer from that more than some other movies, but maybe we would struggle with the same thing because of a certain actor um, or actress that is in a movie that we're going to see. So that was the first one that came to my mind. All right. The next one for me uh, was Fight Club. So Fight Club, I really didn't like it the first time. And I think it was because I... I tend to dislike movies involving mental illness. (laughs) And I think just the wonky nature of it, I just did not like the fact that he's imagining a guy the entire time just rubbed me the wrong way at the time. So it felt at initial viewing like a cheap trick. Oh, this guy wasn't here at all. Okay. Thanks for that. <laughs> but as I, as I watched it again, I, I came to appreciate uh, just the craziness of the, of the movie, the outlandishness of it, um, the some good points, some terrible points they make about society and their tactics towards such things. Um, but it's, it's a highly enjoyable movie. And I still think uh, when I bought the 10th anniversary edition and you plug it in and they bring up the menu for Never Been Kissed on, on the TV, you're like, what, did, what is this? What happens? And then like 10 seconds later, it morphs over to, to, uh, it morphs over to the actual Fight Club menu. Just like little subtleties like that just made me appreciate it as time went on. Uh, shout out to my first college roommate and his friends who were in a band called Tyler Speaks for Me. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny also because that's another movie I lo- absolutely love the first time I saw it. So mm. apparently I'm just, you know, better at evaluating movies <laughs> on first watch than you. That's okay. I don't know about that. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see. <laughs> um, uh, interestingly enough, the other one that came to my mind uh, right away when I heard this question was another Margot Robbie movie, mm. which was I, Tanya. And the reason that um, this was different for me than my expectations was I I didn't really um, watch a whole lot or read a whole lot about the movie before I went and saw it. All I knew was that what, it was about the story of Tanya Harding. Mm. And uh, for those of us who were old enough to be engaged with that story when it happened, I think anyone our age probably is. Um, there's a, not a lot of redeeming quality about Tanya Harding <laughs> that we learned when we were growing up. And uh, to see kind of the background of her story a little bit and uh, the pressure she was under and the rough upbringing she had uh, also being surrounded by some really stupid people. Um, it was interesting to get a little bit of a different light on it. Not that it made what happened okay, but it, it helped provide a little context. And that that's one of my favorite recent movies. And uh, Allison Janney is fantastic as her mom and uh, everybody else, Sebastian Stan in the movie as well as Jeff Galuli is fantastic. Um, definitely check out I, Tanya if you haven't. Uh, it will definitely, if you're going in, into it with the expectation that you're going to still hate Tanya Harding after, you might be surprised. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So I'll do, I'll do the last one here. And this one is not a movie that I hated the first watch. It's just, it very, very much surprised me by the, the different tone it ended up taking than what I was expecting, going back to our discussion about expectations. And it's rare these days where I actually get surprised by the tone of a movie going in. And that was Ad Astra that came out last year. I was expecting from the trailers, I was expecting an action space movie, something like The Martian or, or things of that nature. Maybe not as you know whimsical and com- comedic as, as that, but some, some like action space adventure. And it turned out to be very different. It was, it was much more insular. It was much more um, lonely and, and longing. And it really delved into the tone of the isolation of space and the isolation of, of the mind. And it, the first time I saw it, I didn't know what to make of it because it was just so different from what I was expecting and so different from what I'd seen in a movie of that nature in a long time. And so this one I actually really wanted to see again because now that my expectations have been reset, I wanted to, to view it again. And on second viewing, I just found it absolutely fantastic. And it's such a good movie. Once I cleared out the fact that I was wrong about what it, it was attempting to achieve, I really, really appreciated it. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that one was going to be on your list because after we saw it, you said the that exact thing to me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so when you said this question, I was like, "Oh, he's going to talk about Ad Astra." <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say I had uh, similar type feelings about what it might be versus what it turned out to be. So 
yeah, it's, as I mentioned earlier, it can be very interesting how a movie is marketed can impact uh, how we feel about it before we see it. Yeah, and I think sometimes the trailers don't actually do service to the movies that they're, they're representing. So I think uh, that can be a problem sometimes. But uh, Okay. I think one thing we we forget is that even if we think we have a movie figured out from the trailer, we've still only seen like a minute out of uh, two hours worth of content. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true. So let's move on to our watch list. And so each of us last week watched uh, a different movie that we're going to review for a moment. So Rob, let's, uh, let's start with you. And you watched this week, you watched Enola Holmes. That's a Netflix movie, right? Yes, that is a movie that was purchased by Netflix and is on uh, their service. Okay, what did you think of Enola Holmes? Uh, obviously, uh, for the, well, I shouldn't say obviously, cause not everyone will know about the movie, but, um, it stars Millie Bobby Brown as, uh, Enola Holmes, uh, famous from Stranger Things, if you have seen that. And, uh, I was very, very impressed by, uh, her performance in this movie. She's only 16, uh, but it seems like she's about 25, uh, with the uh, maturity of the performance in the movie. Funny, serious, uh, also interesting to see her speak in her actual accent because she is British, um, which you would not know if you watch Stranger Things. <laughs> uh, and uh, she, she carries the movie, uh, but Henry Cavill is also in it as Sherlock Holmes, uh, among others. And uh, it's not a Sherlock Holmes movie. It's very much focused on uh, the Enola Holmes character. Uh, it's very well written and extremely well produced, in my opinion. Um, the editing and just different effects they use throughout the movie give it a unique quality that I don't see a lot in many movies these days, and uh, definitely highly recommend it. I also find it very interesting that uh, this movie drew uh, a legal response from the family of Arthur Conan Doyle, who were upset that Sherlock Holmes was portrayed as not being a brooding, upset, um, uh, anal stickler of a person and actually seemed to display some positive emotions because apparently they, they have uh, the ability to challenge depictions of Sherlock Holmes that do not line up with the way they believe the character should be portrayed which is a whole different discussion about what you should or should not be able to have control over when it comes to the character. But yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't even really see much of what they were complaining about, honestly, although uh, Henry Cavill was not in very many scenes, so there wasn't much to nitpick at. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend checking out Enola Holmes. Uh, if you have Netflix, it's well worth the watch. Awesome. Definitely check that out. Uh, so the movie I saw this week was Infidels. So I finally got a chance to see Infidels uh, actually on uh, Wednesday night. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, a, it was an interesting movie. Um, it's definitely an indie release type movie. Um, it tells the story of basically a Christian blogger who, who's got some international renown who gets 
um, invited on a trip to go to Egypt uh, to make an appearance on Egyptian state television to talk about religion. And basically he was, I guess from his blog, he's known as being someone who can build bridges between Muslims and Christians. And um, they don't end up liking what he has to say. And he ends up getting kidnapped and taken to a number of different countries. He gets kidnapped by basically Iranian terrorists um, from Hezbollah and, and in other segments of Iran. And so his wife works for the State Department and is working to try and get him back. So it is, it was an interesting movie. There are, there are things I really liked about it. There were things that you could tell it was a lower budget film. Um, I thought some of the directing, when they were doing flashback scenes, I didn't love some of the film technique they, were, they used to transition in and out of flashbacks, kind of a film fade mm. type, type thing that I thought just seemed a little bit cheap in terms of its, uh, its execution. There were also a couple of storylines uh, that I don't think they really wrapped up. Um, so if, um, in terms of character development, I think they they didn't quite wrap up some of the character development aspects of it. Um, Jim Caviezel was good, but the real star of this movie, uh, the real star was, was Hal Ozan, O-Z-S-A-N. I'm not entirely sure. Ozan, uh, Hal Ozan. Uh, he was really, really good. He, he plays the, uh, the head, basically the head of the terrorist group that, uh, that kidnaps him. And the interplay between him and Jim Caviezel was fantastic. He played a well-rounded bad character, bad guy character, who wasn't just a, uh, a static character. He had, some, he had some dynamic roles. He wasn't 100% evil. And he, he really, really gave a great performance. It was really, really memorable. And uh, a lot of the stuff he's done up to this point has been, has been television. And I think he really showed the chops to be an excellent actor. And so I'd love to see him in a few more movies. So uh, if you do get a chance to see Infidel, um, it, does, it does carry, you feel the tension throughout the movie. So I think it's certainly, it's certainly worth seeing. It definitely has a, um, a little bit of a religious tone to it, but it's not, uh, if that's not your thing, it's not, uh, it's not overly traumatic, but it's, it's a good movie, yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to see that in the not too distant future as well. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on to what we're watching this week. Rob, do you have anything on your agenda to watch this week? Uh, I had mentioned it on a, or we had mentioned it on a previous episode, uh, but I would like to see Ava, mm-hmm. uh, Jessica Chastain, and I just noticed today as I was in the grocery store that it is in the red box, so I'm probably gonna snag it from there because that's a nice cheap way to watch a new movie (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely so for me i'm going to try and see uh save yourselves i'm going to i'm going to see about that Uh, i'm in the mood for just a a wonky indie movie type setup so i think i'll uh i'll check that out and uh then i don't know i think maybe go back to watch uh, something like Ford versus Ferrari. Mm. 
that's on HBO Max, and I wouldn't mind seeing that again. Or one that was on there that I haven't had a chance to see yet is The Good Liar uh, with Ian McKellen and um, Helen Mirren. So I think I might check that one out too. All right, Rob, you got anything else for us? Uh, I think that that is good for today. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on the Film for Fans podcast. Reminder to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you like the videos. Uh, Send us some comments if you have critiques of the show or other sorts of feedback. Uh, Leave us a review and check out filmforfans.com. We're going to try and get some of these reviews actually written out and put up on our website. So be looking back at filmforfans.com and check that out. But until then, enjoy the movies.